When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, that's pretty great. 123 to 116. The Raptors defeat Victor Wemiyama. A really great Zach Collins game. A decent Keldon Johnson game. And, you know, a lot of people, it's in the title. This was Scotty Barnes, one of his finest games as an NBA player. They win in overtime. Scotty had like 17 points, a handful of assists, a block, a steal in that fourth quarter, charging the Raptors back into this. It was one of the best games I've seen him play. And on top of that, you get, uh, you know, a career high in threes from OG Ananobi. His defense in this game was undeniably very good. Had a few laydowns from him, so you get some of that, you know, that playmaking pop as well. Jakob Pertl, despite playing kind of a muted role in this game, slipped in 8 of 10 from the field, had decent stretches of defense when he played as well. He gives you 16 and 10. Dennis, you know, he was the first guy to kind of figure out the pacing of Wembenyama's help side defense. He gets to the rim fairly often, finishes with 24 and six. I mean, and Pascal had a, had a tough game. We'll talk about that more in depth later, but mostly to focus on the positives. The Raptors played extremely good defense in the half court. Um, you have to be really impressed with what they were able to do there. The comeback they were able to muster up was was remarkable. At half, I think their their half court offensive rating was like 67 or 66, I think Blake told me. And... I, I, I'm pretty sure they finished above 90 in this 90. game. They finished at 98. So that's that's above last year's um, that's above last year's average for, for anybody who cares about that kind of stuff. But my goodness, um, the biggest thing to focus on, late in the game, Scotty Barnes leads this charge, capped off by three plays, basically, I think. One of it was a pull-up three above the break, which tied the game at 108. One of them was when he had Jeremy Sohan in isolation, posting up, went straight to the chest, drop-stepped, dunked over him. And then the other play was when Grady Dick threw that base corner-to-corner pass across the baseline and Scotty hit it. I mean, that was incredible. What a, what a sequence. That's, that's remarkable basketball from Scotty. And also, like, roving on defense, I was impressed with some of the plays he made. He, like a lot of other guys, was kind of getting used to, you know, how do I guard this Wemby guy? And Wemby was also getting more and more comfortable over the game. So some of his shots did come over uh, over Scotty because he was guarding him late and OG was guarding him throughout. I mean, you just have to be super impressed with what the Raptors brought to the game tonight. I mean, OG plays 38. He gives you, what, 24 points, seven boards, four assists, just great defense all night against a multitude of defenders. Um, Jakob, like I said, kind of not the hugest game for him in terms of impact, I would say, but also a guy who, when he was in the game, and especially the Raptors, they had that stretch to start the second half where 
my God, OG was shooting so well in the first half that he changed how the Spurs were trying to work defensively. So the Spurs want to limit OG because he's taking those threes. And so they put Weminyama on him. And immediately coming out of the, the second half, the Raptors are able to get three laydown passes to Jakob Pertl. All three of them he converts on. Super great to see. In I think it, was, it wasn't Scotty in the overtime when Pascal, he hits the three, then he runs that side pick and roll. He gets all the way to the rim. Great play, blows the layup. Terrible, but Jakob puts the ball back in, so you're still scoring on that play, thank goodness. And Jakob just kind of forming up to these drives with Wemby out of the paint. Zach Collins is stepping up. You know, like a, a Keldon Johnson tag or a Keldon Johnson pinching in isn't affecting anybody. And they were able to find pretty good offense to jumpstart it. And when Wemby switched on to Scotty and became Scotty's primary check, you could see Scotty really trying to feel out what's happening here. You know, like, how do I handle this matchup? Took like five or six dribbles on a couple different possessions, probing, seeing what's happening there. And whew, impressive the way he applied himself. There was the, like, he made jumpers. I wrote, like, I wrote about a big Pascal piece yesterday, but in that piece is addressing how Scotty and the Raptors offense isn't creating that many looks at the rim. And Scotty's navigating that by coming into this game, shooting 67% on his pull up mid range shots. That would, I think that would be a record in the NBA. Like Kevin Durant is typically the best, and he his best seasons are usually hanging around like 60, 62%. And Scotty so far this season coming into this game was 67%, which is absurd. He was 38% on his pull-up threes, which is absurd. And in this game, you know, he had a stretch in the middle of the game, you know, from the second quarter through maybe a bit of the third quarter where the three-point shot isn't dropping. He just keeps putting up, keeps putting them up, keeps putting them up. And they start dropping at the most important part of the game. And he ends up at five for 10. He started three for 12 in this game. He finishes nine for 20. For those, like, that's that's incredible. I For the people who are keeping track at home, that means he, he went six of eight down the stretch. That's... And with a high volume of, of three-point shots as well. He was five for nine from the free throw line. He hit the two towards the end that were the most important. Well, maybe the game was over by that point in time. But they have the, like, in the fourth quarter, no T, 19 points, five rebounds, two assists. Incredible. Six of eight from the floor. Incredible. Uh, that's one of my favorite performances I've ever seen from a Raptor. Uh, Wembenyama completely seals off the paint. He is an unbelievable weapon defensively. And offensively, yeah, Wembenyama had some like some really impressive flashes in this game and some really impressive moments, but defensively you could see shots, possessions where you've never seen a guy pass that shot up before. We saw it from Scotty, we saw it from OG. OG tried him early, it went terribly. Scotty tried him a few times, it went terribly. These guys they tried it, and then they stopped trying it, and they started looking to do it differently. And that's where Scotty taking that matchup and probing constantly and eventually getting to the point where you're like, okay, Scotty, put Wembenyama on his back foot, and he knows he can't go all the way to the rim. He just can't do that. He backpedals out, gets Wembenyama to approach, and then I think gives the ball to Shooter. Shooter immediately gives it back. Scotty's in a stampede cut, gets all the way to the rim for a bucket. Really, really impressive. Like, 
that's that's just great basketball. That's thinking the game at a really hard level and um, high level, not hard level. And that's kind of picking up on some of Wembenyama's tendencies. And Wembenyama got beat so bad at the point of attack that he just kind of he flipped his hips, looked at it, and nobody was there to help. Because when Wembenyama is your primary, the other guys are like Wembenyama can just turn around and he can he'll just track him and block him at the rim. But Scotty got so much of an advantage initially that he didn't even pursue because he knew he wouldn't get there. And also uh, somebody asked, what did I think of that dunk on Sohan? There, when I watched all of Scotty's possessions from last year for a few of the pieces and videos I ended up doing, tracking his post-ups, there's this one play where people will probably remember he's working his way in against Alex Caruso and kind of uses these offbeat post-ups to turn his post-up into like a runway where he eventually ends up dunking all over Nikola Vucevic. And it's like a really impressive display of power, finesse coming out of the post to organize yourself correctly to explode from that point. And for Scotty in this one, taking Sohan, who, while not Wembenyama, is no slouch at the point of attack and is a pretty burly wing, hitting him in the chest, moving him under the basket, immediately gathering, quick jump, two hands, dunk, super, super impressive. This game is defined by Scotty's performance. It's also defined by Wembenyama's performance. I think the most fun aspect is that you can expect Scotty to define Raptors' performances for years to come, and the same thing for Wembenyama. And despite them not, they're not going to play each other a whole bunch being in the Eastern and Western Conference. Um, I like in my mind this will stick here that this was round one because these are two big stars of the future. It's really fun to see, and I'm excited to see their next one. And I'm glad Wemby's playing so much, and I'm glad Scotty's playing so much. And Scotty, with his sixth game in a row with 20 plus points, incredible. He's, he finishes with 30 points, 11 rebounds, six assists, three steals, three blocks. This is a video game. This is insanity. And this is after having a slow start to the game. He and Pascal were both very affected by the presence of Wembenyama. And this is something I've been talking about after every game, basically, is that Scotty and Pascal within this offense are both being confronted with a lack of space. And the way Scotty has applied himself to kind of shoot over top of that and to be able to pick the spots to push in further, it's just like, it's really, really impressive the way that Scotty, with not a lot of space, that's why he started 3-for-12 and Weminyama, figuring out how to get to the bucket getting to the line after starting out, not getting a ton of free throws, figuring out the pacing of the Spurs defense, really being able to identify where Wembenyama was on the floor. Of course, it's a new thing. They've never played against. Nobody has played against a guy like Wembenyama until they've played Wembenyama. You have to get a sense of his pacing. You have to get a sense of how he likes to like roam and affect shots from the weak side. And Scotty, after struggling initially, not with Wemby as the weak side guy. Yeah. And but also with him as the primary, I mean, he figured it out in both cases by dominating his own guys in isolation with slower post ups, isolations, and just kind of like mashing his way to the rim, getting to the line. But also, you know, as I detailed earlier, using his mobility against Wembenyama, and you know, he has that premeditation of what he wants to do. He's tracking where Wembenyama is to win some of these possessions. It's incredible. 
Um, Blake, if I can interrupt you, is there anything you want to say about this game just to give everybody kind of like a, a second opinion? Yeah, I mean, this is a giant microphone. Um, nothing you didn't really cover there. Obviously, this is the Scotty game as we've kind of cascaded Scotty game on top of Scotty game on top of Scotty game here. But yeah, a ton of credit to OG too. I thought him hitting four threes in the first half fundamentally changed how San Antonio was defending them coming out of halftime. That opened up a lot of those Jakob dump offs early on. And then things kind of started to flow from there. Uh, I mean, career high seven threes, career high seven threes, fighting for a position with Wemby on that final uh, that final regulation yep. possession to, to open it up for, for Barnes to uh, jump that inbound route and come up with the steal. Yeah, I thought those two guys stood out a ton. I, I don't really know what's going on with Pascal at the rim. Um, could have been a, a safer win, I guess. But yeah, I mean, look, you don't... The Spurs are a team the Raptors should beat, even though they're fun and exciting, uh, down Devin Vassell especially. So you don't circle a tight win against the Spurs and be like, oh, that's a signature character win. But that kind of comeback tied a franchise record with a 17-point fourth quarter comeback. Anytime you can do that, I think that's got to build spirit and buy-in in the the locker room too. And before I let you get back to writing, is there like an interesting tidbit that you – because you mentioned like the substitution patterns to me, but in a game like that, did you notice anything interesting that might not get talked about really? Yeah, I mean, just it was more tinkering late in the game than you normally see. The Otto Porter going in and out with, with Jakob Pertl and then Otto Porter giving uh, OG Ananobi a spell. Scotty Barnes getting a rest of around the four-minute mark to the to the three-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, I don't have an opinion on if those are good or bad, yeah. but it was more tinkering than we're used to, where end of game, it's just kind of let him play. Um, yeah, there's also, this was earlier in the game, but Darko has a weird thing where I think he calls for the subs really late. Like, I thought there were a couple times this game and uh, last game at home where he wasn't going to be granted the substitution because they came to the table late. It's not, it's a nothing thing, but it's uh, it's on my radar now, so I can't not notice it. Yeah. Thank you, by the way, for the input. Um, Lewis had a tweet where he, he said, like, yes, this is the Scotty game, of course. And of course it is. But also something is like, this, this was a bit of a coming out game for Darko. He really had his finger on the pulse of the game. As Blake mentioned, like, lots of tinkering lots of substitutions and maybe ones that a lot of other coaches wouldn't make. Um, The OG one makes sense. Like I tweeted out that OG, I was like, it's really odd that OG isn't starting this, this overtime, but then Keeks Kirthika, she responded and she was like, well, he was in the game from the three minute mark of the third quarter until the end of the fourth. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, He was getting a blow in, but usually you actually, usually guys don't play that long. So as much tinkering as Darko was doing and like, hey, how am I going to try and get this team back into the game? Obviously, a big part of that is Scotty grabbing hold of the game and saying this game is mine and I will, you know, decide where it goes, which incredible, especially with, you know, the star power on the other side of the floor and really good games from a handful of Spurs, not only as far as like how they operated offensively, but defensively, too. And OG just plays through all of that. So every single machination uh, on the court included OG and except to start the fourth quarter. But that went fine enough because they ran that pin in screen for Pascal and the first bucket of the fourth quarter was a three. So at least they got that while OG was off the floor. They played pretty good defense. I I just remembered (laughs) the Pascal foul. You can't touch a guy, I guess. That was crazy. Uh, My God. I can't believe that was called for a foul. I, I remember I was watching this game, seeing Pascal in the first half, missed shots, 
he created a lot of the open looks for OG's four threes in the first half. And you're like, okay, there's some good process here. There and, and defensively, I thought he was really strong against the point of attack against maybe a few of the Spurs quicker guys. And I'm like, I wonder when this game is going to turn around for him. I wonder what's going to happen here. And it did in a sense because he stopped forcing for a long time. He stopped trying to get to the rim where he was missing some of those like little push shots. He was missing some of the um, missing some of some of the the like the layups around the rim. And you're just like, wow, I can't believe these are like dropping out. They're touching every part of the rim, popping out. And I was like, I wonder when this game turns around for him. And it never really turned around for him. At least he made the three, but then he blew the layup. That thank goodness went in. And then I think they held a possession in overtime for like, I think they sat at the top for what, eight seconds, organizing where they wanted the guys on the weak side, bringing Jakob to the point of attack and putting Weminyama in the screen and roll. It worked totally. Like Weminyama got stuck on the screen, but Pascal crossed back over into the lane, went to his left and missed the layup. And you're like, there's some stuff working here, but overall just such a tough game for Pascal. Like, he got into the teeth of the defense, created some open three-pointers, created some layups. But again, this is a guy who most people are thinking, you know, and, and should be expecting higher performance. Pascal, the, the touch on the layup so far this year has been like, my goodness, it's been really, really bad. Um, like I wrote in my piece yesterday, Pascal is shooting was shooting 26% on his drives this year. And like while he's seeing a lot more help on his drives, you're seeing tonight that some of that is just some of that is just like the shot is popping out. And some of it is like forcing a shot where mm, maybe you shouldn't be. It's it's been a tough go for Pascal, but I'll say I'll say again for anybody who, you know, critiques of the offense, to, he's he's not shooting well enough. Um, and there are some there are definitely some uh, decision making things that Pascal has to kind of get up to speed with as as most of the team does with you know how they want to play offense um, tonight was a good example of the Raptors finding a bit more pace especially as the game wore on but um, Pascal some of it is just shot making that needs to be better his role has changed a ton but you know shot making you have to hit shots that's like a an undeniable aspect of it um, that's that's just the way this works out um, I kind of want to talk about OG for a little bit. OG in this game, and I know I talked about him earlier, but he is one of the preeminent two-way players. And it's been really cool to watch him over these past few years. Like on an on a night where he hits his career high in threes, he does such a such a good job being placed all over the defense where the Raptors need a guy to be here, where the Raptors need a guy to be here, and putting the Raptors in a position where like they always operate from a point of strength wherever OG is on the floor, whether that's offensively, he's dragging guys with his spacing. He completely changes the way that the Spurs play defense to start the half. And that really was where the game changed. Like, yes, towards the end of the third quarter, the Spurs hit a few threes and had a run against the Raptors. But that was just like three-point variance on the other side. The Raptors' process started to become much better once they were able to move Wembenyama on the floor accordingly. And that was because of OG's proficiency and reputation as a three-point shooter. And defensively, being moved everywhere, always being able to 
you know, there's a couple missed cues by every player, every game defensively, but OG for the most part, providing great looks as a help side guy, being really sticky at the point of attack, and then taking a bunch of those minutes against Wembenyama, keeping him away from the paint where his arms can touch anything. And I just, what a game from him. Super impressive. I hope he's one of the guys they get after this game. It's on the road. You know, me and Blake and I, we're not at the game to ask questions or anything. But I hope OG is somebody who gets like a, a bit of time to talk about his game and, and to be celebrated a little bit. Um, that would be nice to see. Dennis Schroeder, I talked a little bit about at the start, but I guess it would be good to, to revisit. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, he was the first guy who kind of had a good sense of where Wemby was, when to attack. And I actually think this was Dennis's best game attacking of the whole season. Like I know, yeah, the Bucks game, but the Bucks point of attack defense was Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley, and they didn't care. And like, they really didn't care. And Brooke Lopez played like 60 minutes. Giannis was out of sorts. And yes, Shooter got like downhill quite a bit, but tonight was a really difficult night to get downhill, especially in the half court. This was, this was a game where Shooter was absolutely imperative like not his best defensive game at times but offensively really helping get the raptors through some of those lulls in what they were trying to do in the half court really putting the raptors in better positions and i just like man i'm so impressed with what he's been able to bring some of these possessions like he's biting off more than he can chew that's for sure but the raptors offense is hitting like it's been bad to start the year it's hit like really low lows and Schroeder as a guy who is leading the team in touches, touch time, dribbles per touch is a guy who's being asked to create a bunch and his motion at the top and ability to penetrate is supposed to get the offense going so that more of those 0.5 basketball tenets that guide them, the quick decision-making small advantages become big advantages when you build on them and make the right decision and use a lot of movement. He's getting the, the drink stir a lot. Like in this game, did Scotty succeed playing 0.5 basketball? Uh, on a couple occasions, yes, but some of it is just like he's putting up a shot and the shot making is insanity. Like if you, you could ask people prior to this season if they saw Scotty popping off, yes. If they saw Scotty doing wonderful things, yes. If Scotty was the future, yes, of course people would say that. And I put out a tweet predicting Scotty's stat line before this season. And people were very excited and made big predictions. And some people are looking great on those predictions so far. But if you would ask them how many threes he was taking and making, I don't think anybody would have guessed this. I didn't see anybody guess or expect this. His jump shot to start the year has been nuts. And whether, like, you can't frame this comeback in any other way than Scotty driving winning with like I will push through whatever I'm seeing or I will shoot over whatever I'm seeing and a huge part of that comeback was Scotty Barnes jump shot it's year three before he came into this league many people I think the consensus like a lot of people thought you know maybe like six points per game rookie year Scotty went for 15 and he scored the exact same amount of points in year one and year two but as I covered during, and, and you know, a lot of people who are tapped in covered like during year two, there's a lot of really important steps being made that will manifest in statistic changes going forward. It just looks a little bit different this year. He's got more possessions this year. He's shooting the hell out of the ball this year. 
and he looks great. You know, we have a comment comment from Jacob who says the shot form still looks not great. The shot form changes shot to shot. Certainly it does. He's working on it. It takes thousands and thousands of repetitions to truly change your jump shot. But you can tell that it's changed from last year and he's his pickup point is higher now. Like on that, on both of his late threes that were made, his pickup point is closer to his chest. He's been a guy who his pickup point went from being like around his knees to around his hips. And especially in this game, those late threes, we're seeing like a pickup point around his chest and he's keeping things like smoother up top. It's a shorter motion. It's a shorter move to use a, a baseball term, right? They call they call a baseball swing like a move, don't sure. they? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's okay. So, but he's he's getting shorter to to the shot and that is really great for how long it takes you to get a shot up. Not that people are like, contesting Scotty's shots that much he's just shooting when it's open which great identification but Scotty it's a shorter move a lot of the times it's a shorter shot a lot of the times and that keeps him more basic and Scotty's a guy who you know I covered this he's had tremendous touch since he came into the league like incredible touch his touch on touch shots has been extremely good his like I documented all of his contested hook shots from last season, he shot 55% on contested hook shots last season. That's just like ball in hand, guy in your face, trying to find the rim in motion and figuring out a way to get it in. You know, you, you have to know where your body is in space and you have to be able to identify and like quickly put your body in line with what you want to do. And Scotty is so good at doing that. And the hope was that those talents would also manifest in his jump shot. Last year, he didn't shoot well from three. In his first year, he shot better from three than people expected. And this year, I'm, he's just been insane from three. He's over 40% on like, what, five and a half attempts a game or something? That's nuts. That That is a leap. Yeah, proprioception. I try not to say it because it's a term that gets dumped. You said it, it like eight times watching the game. Oh, yeah, but I don't want to say it here because people make fun of it. They call, they call me a nerd. Yes, it's, it's proprioception. And, and his omnidirectional movement capabilities, go. yeah. But anyway, um, Scotty, the shot just deserves to be celebrated. Um, is it going to be this good forever? I hope so. I mean, every betting person would say, no, it can't possibly stay this good. He's been insane, unconscionable. But you just have to hope so. And you hope that this is, um, this is something that sticks around, maybe not at this level, but as like a, a feature of his game, this Darko Ryakovich had the quote from what earlier this season when he said, you know, and if you get Scotty driving to the rim or you have to close out on Scotty, God help you. And it's true. Like in Wembenyama, that late dunk that Scotty got, that's exactly it. When you have to close out on Scotty Barnes, what, what recourse do you have? Because he's so good at reading the floor while in motion or from a standstill that if you come up, he will make the lay down pass. He could even lob it. He can make the read to the weak side corner. He could leave it short on like the strong side if somebody makes that wade cut. He, he can do anything with the ball, really. And to this point, it was he can do anything except beat a guy at the point of attack with a manipulative handle and shoot. And while he's not like just completely crossing guys up and getting into the lane, that's not his game. 
He's beating guys up with bully drives to get down there. And when they're sinking on this stuff, he's just putting shots up and he's shooting at this point, what, like 45% from three, 44. And I think over 40% or 39 on his pull-up threes. This is absurd. This type of performance is unconscionable in a, in a sense. Um, Grady Dick keeps getting open. All, all year has been getting open. The shots need to drop and they will at some point the process for grady is like a plus a plus a plus his decision making his motion is unbelievable um he impresses me every time i watch him when he does this stuff he, he didn't make any tonight he'll make some in the future hopefully he had four assists though and he also was a guy who quickly identified the Wembenyama effect made decisions according to that and also with his motion was able to move the spurs defense sometimes and find shooters and find cutters and forces it's a nice little takeaway from a game where grady it was it wasn't a big one for him but it was a game auto i thought auto was great he's this everybody celebrated the raptors signing auto because auto was a guy who when they signed him had just been a massive part of a championship rotation Otto, when he's healthy, is one of, like, as far as role-playing wings, one of the most easily objective, positive players in the NBA. He's tremendous. He shoots the three. Over the past decade of basketball, he's been one of the best rebounding wings. It, like, statistically, I test however you want to frame it. And then we're looking at a guy who, he plays good defense. He works well within the rotation, and he's probably watched enough. He hasn't played a bunch, but he's definitely watched enough film to know what the Raptors are trying to do and implemented himself in it. Hit, hit threes late when teams sagged off him he, when he was at the top of the arc, and they're, you know the Spurs tried to play zone at some points in this game. It was just like, I'm a good shooter. I don't know what you've heard about other people. I don't know what you're trying to do against these Raptors, but I'm on the floor right now, and I'm going to hit the shot. And, and he did like a, a fantastic job. Um, we have a question. Why is he so good at rebounds? A lot of rebounding, and Grady Dick is a really good example of this, is being able to read the ball off the rim. Yes, of course. But it's also like being able to kind of rummage around around established space in the post. And Otto was a guy who at Georgetown, before he even came into the NBA, was very comfortable working out of the post. He had, not necessarily with the Bulls or afterwards, was a guy who had, you know, these cute little corner offense post packages when he played with Washington. And he's always been a player who's very comfortable with physicality. And he's, like, got a well-built body to bang around and has for years. Um, maybe not uh, not the durability to go, but when he's out there, he does. And just having a great sense of opportunity. Like, a cut, there, there's some hallmarks of cutting, right? Is like, if you can see... This is that's the, the oldest one for coaching is like if you can see the number on the back of your guy's jersey, it's time for you to cut. Different players have different processes, different coaches te teach different things. But Otto has a really great sense of not only when to cut, but when there are opportunities to go after it on the glass. And then, you know, the really easy stuff, he's big for a wing, especially when he came into the NBA, maybe less so now. And he has a long wingspan. And great nose for the ball. That's the quick stuff, of course. Okay, Malachi Flynn. If anybody has any Flynn questions, feel free to ask them in the chat. But this was his best game of the season. Uh, the plus minus of six 
some of that is like you share the floor with Scotty Barnes during Scotty Barnes being an undeniable superstar run. You win some minutes, but also Malachi, like defensively, I thought the compete level was really strong in this game. He had another game where he had what three steals. I can't remember which one that was where, you know, he he's a little bit grittier at the point of attack and his digs. Cause he, he did put on muscle. He is a bit bigger this year. Some of those digs with, you know, the extra meat on the forearms, they're a little bit more compelling for a defender or the offensive player to deal with. And offensively, while the shot making wasn't incredible or anything like that, um, he did hit one three and he moved the Raptors through a lot of their actions with pace. And none of that would have mattered if the shot making wasn't, you know, at the end of it, certainly. But good on Malachi. This was his best game of the season. Um, a meaningful 15 minute stretch from him in this game. And, you know, it's not like Malachi turned this game around. Scotty did. Stars drive winning a lot. Um, you know, we're watching a Warriors game, but Kevon Looney is a guy who has helped the Warriors win countless games despite Steph Curry being the largest motivator, right? There's room for everybody to kind of impact the game. And, you know, Malachi, good on you. This was this was a good one. Um, Blake and I were talking about, oh, hey, there's Brody in the background. Hmm. Blake and I were talking about, like, every player is probably going to tell their their kids, their grandkids about, oh, yeah, the first time I played Wembenyama because he's going to be that level of player, almost certainly. And Malachi can say, like, the first time I played Wemby, I won, and I played really well. And he probably won't show his kids or the grandkids the, the plus six um, or anything like that. But good game. Really, really happy for him. Gary? Gary also, he, he got back cut late by Branham. Gary had a couple possessions that were really, really effective at the point of attack, like active hands, rushing the dribble, getting the guy locked in between the knees, like really playing fantastic pressure basketball and then sometimes he gets beat on that sometimes he gets beat with being a little bit toothless as far as like help side defense and that kind of stuff but in this game good game for Gary uh Gary has been having trouble to start this season because he's being asked to shoot less catch and shoot jumpers he's being asked to work with the ball in motion more make more reads as a passer dribble more often and dribble to get other people involved, not dribble to get himself into his, you know, his combos and stuff like that. And he's had a tough time. He's had a tough time implementing himself. This game, quicker decisions offensively, did a good job working off of Scotty late, I thought, not only as a shooter, but as a guy who's going to catch on the move and try and turn it downhill. I was impressed with um, a fair bit of Gary's game. So I... Jalen McDaniels had a five-minute stretch. I didn't find it particularly affecting. I think I've talked about basically everybody on the team. Uh, maybe just to revisit Scotty, just so everybody hears this stat line and keep saying it to yourself over the next few days and kind of indulge in this. I think Trey and, our, our, Trey and I are going to record a podcast tomorrow and we'll talk all about Scotty's start to the year because God bless him, he's been tremendous. But 30 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, three steals, three blocks. I I talked to Nesta is in the chat right now. I talked to him at the, the Raptors Republic um, opener and like the, the party. And he also replied to my tweet, you know, my prediction for, I think, Scotty's stat line. And he said three and a half stocks. That's what he's going to average. He's doing it basically. 
maybe not exactly, but he's close to doing it so far this season. Uh, the stocks are insane. If you get three and a half stocks, you're probably going to make like an all defense team. If if your team defense is good, the stats are just so compelling. And while Scotty, like, yeah, some of his help side stuff, he got he was a bit like he was stuck in mud at times, as everybody was, as the low man didn't get over sometimes, as you know many players do. And this was a tough game for the Raptors to kind of get jump started in. But holy moly, man, three steals, three blocks. Are you insane? 30 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. I, it's hard to kind of square in your mind how Scotty has started this season, especially with the jump shooting. Like he's always been a super dominant player going downhill. He's always had tremendous touch around the rim. He's always, you know, as I wrote last year, when I went, I poured over every single pass he made, talked about advantage assists where you're giving guys really good opportunities. You're not just handing the ball off to somebody like Scotty Barnes gave more. His, he had a higher percentage of advantage assists than like Jason Tatum. He had a higher percentage of advantage assists than Draymond Green. And those are two guys who do similar things to him on both sides of it. Like Draymond Green is the trigger man on some sets as shooters make decisions as cutters and he makes good reads. Scotty does that sometimes. Jason Tatum is a guy who punches into the lane and makes reads as a drive and kick guy and as laydowns. And Scotty had a higher percentage of advantage assists than both Tatum and Green. It's it's been incredible. This this is something that I mean, Scotty, incredible. I, I see a, a a comment that says keep underestimating him, Samson. If I am underestimating him by calling you know a hot shooting start where he's like sixty seven percent from the mid range pull up, forty percent on the you know the three point pull up. I, if he does this, man, he's like one of the best shooters in the NBA. This is like Kevin Durant numbers. And if Scotty is Kevin Durant shooter plus Scotty Barnes passer plus Scotty Barnes driver plus Scotty Barnes stock king, I mean, what a start to the season. Uh, I hope I'm doing the commensurate job of celebrating him in this game because he's he's been unbelievable. I, I'm just so impressed with him. Um, there's there's a comment that says like, will Scotty have a five by five game this season? I think um, man Nicholas Batum has had one uh, recently from the wing position. I don't even know anybody else who um, who has recently. I just Nicholas Batum sticks out in my head. Scotty's definitely a guy who could. Um, I don't think OG has ever had a five by five. They're really rare. Uh, but Scotty playing low in the defense, you see a game where he goes three steals, three blocks. There's um there's no reason why some game over the course of his career he gets to five and five for five steals, five blocks. And also he's gonna sleepwalk to five assists over a lot of his career. He's gonna sleepwalk to um five boards over a lot of his career. So it's it's definitely something that is a possibility for him. Um we have another question about uh, talk about the call on Pascal at the end. We did talk about it for a little bit. for So I don't want to kind of like rehash that for the, the audio listeners tomorrow morning or anything like that. Nurkic is also a 5x5 five five guy, yeah. Um, we have a lot of people talking about the free throws. Yeah, that's tough, man. Uh, the Raptors, they shot 61.5% from the free throw line. They haven't been like a tremendous free throw shooting team for a little while. And... That's that's just what happens. Like, yes, I mean, a lot of 
Pascal used to be like an 80% guy, but he's more so like a, a 76, 77% guy. I think Scotty shot 77% last season. Um, OG usually hangs around like 77, 80%. But the the big difference, the the reason why, like on some nights they're going to shoot like 80, 90%. And on some nights, I guess they're going to shoot a lot better. Tonight, missed free throws, yeah. But luckily it didn't come back to hurt them. And honestly, like in this game, OG misses three, Scotty misses four, you know, Jakob missed both of his. It, it, it's just kind of an accumulation. It's like Scotty took the most free throws. He shot 63%, and that kind of dictates a lot of the percentages, the outcome. And does anybody really want to get on Scotty about his free throw shooting in this game? I mean, should that be where the focus lies? Definitely not. I'm sure people want to give, you know, Pascal like a, a piece of their mind after a tough performance, but the free throw shooting, Pascal shot three of three. He shot two of 12 overall, of course. He he missed, I think, five layups in this game. And a couple of them are like, oh man, it touched every part of the rim. A couple of them, you're like, mm, that was a bit too tough of a shot to throw up there. And a couple of them, you're like, I just, there's no excuse for missing that. That's um That's really tough. That's not something... You just expect those to go in. Pascal has been an elite finisher at the rim for years and years and years. You expect that to come around. Um, the driving uh, frequency is down. He's seeing more help on his drives than ever. But when he does get all the way there, he's just not at all um, hitting the shots that he needs to. Um, that's a classic Fred stat. Yeah, I talked about this in the piece I wrote yesterday where the, the Raptors spacing is worse this season. And, you know, I really mentioned that Scotty has done such a good job of, with this cramped spacing, obviously shooting an insane amount on his pull-up mid-range jumpers, shooting an insane amount on his three-point shots, like incredible play. And the opposite side of that is both Pascal and Scotty are affected negatively by this spacing. And right now, Scotty is just like unbelievable, unconscionable superstar and spacing doesn't seem to matter to him because he's making shots from everywhere um, on high volume and doing it like at an incredible pace. Here's an interesting question from Phoenix Playzy. Are we sure Pascal's athleticism isn't declining? I could, I haven't thought about this that much. I think that's probably something that will factor into the conversation around him going forward. Um, that's that's like there's a there's a possibility I think that Pascal isn't as explosive. He's had two groin injuries that lingered for a long time. Um, the groin saps a lot of that. Like Demar Derozan was never like a bursty athlete, but Demar was a guy who took a long time after his adductor injury. Groin stuff does stick around for guys for a long time, and Pascal had a big groin injury that affected him. And he's, what, going to be, is he 29 right now and 30 yeah. soon? Yeah, I think he's 30 in, like, December or something. Maybe that's part of the conversation going forward. Um, but also there's, like, a lot of stuff that goes into it. If anybody wants to, now some people might not be that interested in it. Um, as far as, like, uh, if you want to look at the statistics and, like, some of the the film on what's happening with Pascal, you can go read it on raptorsrepublic.com. Um, man. Scotty, though, is defining the Raptors in this game and going forward. And and everybody should be, like, completely overwhelmed and overjoyed at this. Like, as, you know, I, I, wrote, I wrote and I focused in on what's happening with Pascal, but that's because that's an interesting thing that's happening right now. Um, there are articles, like, every day 
We talk about Scotty more than any other player, and he defines the Raptors going forward. Why? Because he appears to be making a superstar leap. This is what defines teams. When you have a superstar, and in this case on a rookie contract, that's kind of what defines teams and makes them think like, okay, we go for it now. We build around this guy's skill set. What does this look like? What do they do? How can we maximize them? And the Raptors, they haven't built around a superstar in a long time, right? Like Kyle Lowry and Kyle Lowry was underrated forever, gave you like all NBA impact every year, and he was always underpaid. So the Raptors had money to give like a lot of different contracts out and to layer the team with good role players. And DeMar DeRozan was doing a fantastic job of filling up the the scoring side of things and eventually the playmaking side of things. But if Scotty Barnes makes this leap now, this this would be unprecedented for the Raptors since Vince Carter. Like like it really would. Um Scotty, what he's doing currently, you know, you hope everything sticks around, the shooting, the efficiency, all this kind of stuff. But and if it does, then this is just Vince Carter and maybe even like a little bit more impressive. I I I was like what three years old when Vince Carter got drafted, so I can't really say. And what do you what do you think, Blake? How was this how was the start of the the Vince? Oh, I tagged in late in the late in the Vince era. I wasn't uh yeah. Okay. So we don't we don't have I a, got in, in the Vince's unhappy era. Good. So you didn't get to enjoy Vince all that much. Maybe only through highlights. Well, so basically my idea is this is probably either like close to Vince, maybe not in terms of like highlights, human highlight reel, because I think um I think I wrote about Vince and the Raptors, they're visiting, um, they're visiting, uh, what's attendance was always in, extremely high. I think they had the number one visiting attendance in the league, um, when Vince was playing on them. So like Vince just being on the Raptors meant that when the Raptors went elsewhere, not even Toronto, the Raptors would sell huge numbers because people want to see Vince. Now, maybe Scotty's not that compelling for fans, but as far as like impact, um, I'm sure he could be at Vince or get above Vince if he keeps playing like this. Uh, Vince, I don't know if he's ever had on his rookie contract as good a start to the year statistically as to what um, Scotty's currently doing. So if this jump from Scotty is real, sticks around, and is this good, you know, the, the seven-game stretch becomes 82 games, then yes, the Raptors are in unprecedented history for the franchise. They've won. They've had like years and years of being the smartest front office. They had a stretch where that was the case, where they won every trade, had huge returns on the 27th overall pick, the 20th overall pick, the 46th overall pick, an undrafted free agent. They did all that stuff and they hit on it. But if Scotty, if Scotty is this good going forward, then the franchise is in unprecedented, um, just in an unprecedented area. So, Something that's cool to see. Um, I'm looking forward to, oh my God, Gary Payton Jr. just had an insane alley-oop. Sorry, I couldn't not respond to that. Um, that feels like a podcast, yeah? I think we talked about mostly everything. Maybe just that I'm super excited to keep watching Wembenyama. And as I said at the top of the podcast, I can't wait to see more of Scotty versus Wemby because Wemby is probably going to watch the film too. And the next time we see them play, I... I really hope we get to see Wemby on Scotty earlier. And I hope that for years we get to see them go at it because Scotty is a guy who has never shied away from any matchup and he attacks everything with like just extremely abundant boldness. 
And he he and Wemby, game one was awesome. I'm looking forward to game two, game three, game four, game five, all that kind of stuff. What a fun game. And, you know, thank you to Scotty for making it so compelling and turning on the afterburners to to deliver a W for the Raptors. Superstar stuff, just awesome. Um, thanks to everybody for listening. Um, chat, as always, thank you for the insightful commentary. Thank you for engaging. Thanks for hopping in after a game. It's always nice. It's always, there's a lot more energy to kind of bounce off of. Um, thank you for hopping on. Uh, we're trying to get to 10,000 subscribers on the YouTube uh, channel. And so if you want to subscribe, feel free to do so. We do video essays, we do podcasts, and a lot of people seem to like them. That's something we do here. Like the video because I think it's good for the algorithm as far as, you know, making other people watch this. And hopefully other people watch this and are like, I like what this guy says. I'll stick around for more. That's kind of, I guess, the the approach to this kind of thing. So um, from myself, from Blake, of course, uh, thank you to everybody for hopping in listening to the people listening on their walk in the morning or just late at night whatever it needs to be um thanks for hopping in it's been a blast okay what he got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye